During the COVID-19 pandemic, Amazon became a trillion-dollar corporation, with CEO Jeff Bezos becoming the first person in history to amass 200 billion in personal wealth, 200 billion dollars. The campaign states on its website. Meanwhile, Amazon warehouse workers risk their lives as essential workers and face threats and intimidation if they spoke out for their rights to fair wage. Welcome back, everyone. Good evening, good morning, or just good afternoon, or hello, depending on the time zone in which you're located. Welcome to Left Porch, the podcast that's very critical and tries to address the injustices in our society by looking at them from a very labor-focused perspective and by trying to interrogate the things we often take for granted. This podcast is organized by a couple of people at Borden Labor Alliance, and this episode is hosted by me, Radus Tokitsa, or just simply known as Stock, at Borden College on its campus. I had the pleasure to talk to a very inspirational person that works for Athena Collective, and you're going to find out more about who this person was and what this organization does. Just before we jump right into it, I just wanted to let you all know that right as we're speaking and right as we're, uh, uh, right as we're editing this, basically a huge campaign is going forward. And the extract that I've read to you out loud at the beginning of the episode comes from an article published in The Verge basically covering this campaign. And it's called International Coalition of Activists Launches Protest Against Amazon. The interview will be interrupted at certain segments so we can read a bit more about the campaign and familiarize ourselves with what is going on right now in the world and the importance of us with siding with this cause. As Joel Hill said, and as I will say it again throughout this podcast, don't mourn, organize. I hope you enjoy it. Have a good time. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm sorry if I'm a bit incoherent during this episode. I actually recorded it just as I was actually diagnosed with COVID. So please bear with me. Right now I'm recovering and it's getting much better. My entire family is recovering as well. And I think we'll be back on our forces very soon. So for all incoherences or just me saying random yes all of a sudden, please forgive me for that and the understanding of the situation. Now for real. Enjoy the episode. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me on. Um, my name is Dania, and um, I direct Athena. We are an almost one-year-old or coalition of 50 um, organizations um, across the United States focused on removing Amazon as an impediment to a democracy that finally represents us all and an economy that works for everyone. Um, I come to this work uh, with two decades working for workers' rights, racial justice, um, and other forms of social justice. I've uh, worked um, with a variety of different kinds of workers and worker organizations, as well as in the arts, in philanthropy, um, Mm -hmm. in my spare time, which there isn't very much of at the moment. (laughs) I'm a poet and an essayist. Um, And I try to bake as much cake as possible. So pandemic has been good for that. Well, do you have like a a favorite type of cake you love baking? Well, right now I'm really into yeasted cake. So today I'm making an apple, maple kind of swirl. Um, And I live in Queens, New York, which is famous for telling Amazon exactly what they can do with themselves when they came looking for big subsidies from the New York State and New York City public funds. And so 
um, we're proud to be in solidarity here in Queens with people around the world and people around the country fighting um, for a society in which everyone can thrive. Well, I actually remember reading in the press, I think Queens, New York might have been the location about which oh, I yeah. read the most about, about Amazon. And people are just rallying and telling this company, you know, stay outside of the city. We don't want you. Yeah, well, there are plenty here in New York mm-hmm. City, for sure. Um, but at least they're here on their own. Uh, they, they didn't have this high-profile subsidy deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so at Athena, you know, with f- so many organizations, we work primarily on five issues, and those are the five ways that um, everyday people, working-class people and working-class communities experience the harm of Amazon. So mm-hmm. um, they are, in no particular order, um, worker rights. So mm-hmm. we... Um, and worker working conditions. I think probably your listeners know that since COVID, um, working at Amazon um, has meant um, potential exposure to the virus and that people who work at Amazon work through the pandemic while many others were staying home. Mm-hmm. Um, your listeners may not know that working at Amazon was dangerous even before the pandemic, there were many, many um, reports of injuries, and the injury rates are are astronomical, several times the average in mm-hmm. the relevant facilities. So, um, so we were already working on the dangers of working at Amazon. Um, we work on four other issues. We work, um, all of which are related. We work on environmental and climate justice, the way that the goods movement, the way that stuff comes to your door um, from Amazon mm-hmm. or to your local big box store, or even if you have one, your local independently owned store, um, is through a series of boats and trucks and trains, airplanes. Um, and that whole logistics network um, is a huge polluter and mm-hmm. is um, – very, it's located in working class communities of color who disproportionately face air pollution and have higher asthma rates. And so we work on those questions as well as the corporation's climate footprint. Um, Thirdly, we work on Amazon as a purveyor of surveillance. Um, Amazon owns Ring, the video doorbell, um, and Mm -hmm. Ring um, has relationships with thousands of law enforcement, local law enforcement police across the country. Um, they are helping to power ever more intense surveillance and in particular racist policing. And also Amazon Web Services, which most everyday people don't engage with as much about Amazon, but is in fact the profit engine of the corporation. Mm-hmm. Amazon Web Services has um, contracts with the immigration um, the law enforcement part of immigration um, and um, is helping to power so much of what has been so horrendous these last four mm-hmm. years and before around American immigration policy. And just a quick actually side note, maybe for our listeners at Borun and beyond, uh, Amazon Web Services, I think all of us interact with it in a form or another on a daily basis more than we'd actually expect that. And I think for boarding college, it's quite usual. Like when people download a file, like a reading posted by a professor, it's hosted on an Amazon web service. Many websites we're interacting with on a daily basis 
hosted on Amazon Web Services. Many apps were interacting with as well Amazon Web Services. It's true. Zoom and Slack for when you're working or you know participating in political campaigns increasingly, um, and uh, and then when you're ready to Netflix and chill, that also runs on Amazon Web Services. So there's a <laughs> yeah, great no Gizmodo piece about someone who tried to block every Amazon-powered website, and basically her internet broke. Um, Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, they do have the biggest portion of the market for cloud data storage and cloud computing, and, um, you know, they're really part of the fundamental infrastructure the same way that roads and bridges are part of the fundamental infrastructure of commerce and um, social, like, the ways that people get around. That's, so, I really like this metaphor that you've actually... I'm sorry for interrupting ahead. you no. all the time. But, yeah. but this roads and bridges metaphor is so beautiful because I think recently, maybe in this past year or two or even before, we've witnessed quite an increased conversation about the internet being a public good and many of those services that we use from companies, for example, search engines, social media platforms, should become common goods, basically, like public goods. Yeah, there's a great paper by um, Sabil Rahman and Zephyr Teachout about that. Um, it's called From Private Bads to Public Goods. I'll send it over to you. You can include it in your show notes if you Please. like. Please, definitely. And it's actually quite fascinating as well because I think – general knowledge, and I mean, we go back from the AWS example, we tend to think of Amazon as being just this marketplace. We sometimes ignore the amount of corporations they own and the amount of lobbying power, the amount of, I don't know, like hosting power they have and discourse shaping power as well. Because apart from you buying, uh, I don't know, like some toothpaste of Amazon, which might seem like, you know, just a normal activity, they control, for example, Twitch, which is a gaming streaming platform that shapes discourse as well, very importantly, Ring, as you said, and many other companies they buy, I think on not maybe weekly basis, but quite often. So they might actually be quite anti-competitive in this regards. Oh, yes. We haven't even gotten to that part yet. So those are the first <laughs> three. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that one of the things that's so exciting, uh, sometimes in a, mostly in a horrific way about working on Amazon, is that um, it it touches everything and it's always changing. And, and so it's never boring. So we work on two that's more things. Um, we work on, um, we work on what we call local fights. So like I said, I live mm -hmm. in Queens where we definitely had a local fight about Amazon coming to town. Um, that mm -hmm. fight happened at the same time as two others, right? Cause there was, there is an HQ2 going up in Northern Virginia, and I'm excited to talk more about what got built in the fight against HQ2 in Northern Virginia. That, um, mm -hmm. And so for us, not Amazon Coalition in Virginia um, is a very important part of Athena and does, um, does important justice work. And mm -hmm. um, in Nashville, there is also a fight um, uh, Amazon is locating they're not quite calling it an HQ2, but a substantial um, build out in Nashville. So mm -hmm. um, one of our founding members, the Partnership for Working Families, really helped anchor the local fights in each of those three places and made sure everybody had a chance to talk with one another together. Um, and that's part of what um, led Athena to emerge, part of the head of Zeus from which Athena emerges. <laughs> um, and uh, so... 
there are lots and lots of fights to have about how Amazon dominates local government, right? Everything mm-hmm. from subsidies, like we talked about, to um, all of these other questions. Environmental justice is a local, a local mm-hmm. problem. Um, uh, the whether your local law enforcement has a relationship with Ring is a thing that folks locally can help and can help. Um, decide and, and should get involved in. Um, and um, American political power sort of starts at that level. And, and it's at that level with our neighbors that we can also start to dream about the communities we'd like to have and what resources those dreams need instead of the way things are organized now in which the biggest corporations get the biggest share. There's also other stuff, right? Gentrification is a huge issue and is a huge issue locally, and Amazon plays a role in that. Um, traffic as Amazon expands um, and more. So there's lots to say. There was also a big expose in Chicago about um, how much more com- communities of color and diverse communities um, contribute public dollar-wise than white communities to the more, I think we're up to more than $3 billion across the United States in mm-hmm. um, the last, maybe the last decade, maybe not even so many years um, in public dollars that Whoa. people in the United States have contributed to um, the co- corporation owned by the richest man on the planet. <laughs> and finally, Whoa. to your point, Raghu, <laughs> okay. we, um, yeah. we work on, on Monopoly. And... Um, for people whose association is with the board game, the board game is mm-hmm. actually was designed by a woman to explain how uh, Monopoly functions and why it's wrong. Um, yeah. So if you've never been able to win without robbing the bank, well, that tells you something also about a real <laughs> world. Um, and so uh, in the United States, monopolies are against the law. Um, and for reasons that I think are probably not interesting enough for our podcast, but I'm happy to tell you about them if you'd like. Um, <laughs> Definitely. And mostly associated with, you know, neoliberalism, um, monopoly uh, enforcement um, mm-hmm. has, has been on a 30 plus year hiatus really in the United States. And so we, um, this summer, the U.S. Congress and the House did a first-in-a-generation um, look at corporate consolidation in the in the tech industry and looked at four mm-hmm. big tech companies, of which Amazon is one. And so um, CEO Jeff Bezos was amongst the executives who appeared before Congress. Um, and there's plenty to say about their anti-competitive conduct. Um, the Judiciary Committee released a 459-page report um, every single page is scintillating. I highly recommend it. Um, but uh, um, but the parts about Amazon are very much about what you were saying, that they, um, you know, they both invest in corporations, which gives them a view into their data, and then they buy corporations like Ring. Um, and Amazon bec- on the marketplace, so on the marketplace side, right, um, me- much of what you buy, you buy from a third-party seller. But which is like supposed to be an independent business, but realistically mm-hmm. Amazon controls all of the terms. And if, <laughs> if you screw up and sometimes even if you don't, Amazon shuts off your Whoa. store. Right. And, um, 
if Amazon is the only way you might reach your customers, then that helps us also see another way in which they are like roads, bridges, railroads, right? And in the United States, we have a robust tradition of like um, more regulation and um, rules and laws and all kinds of ways to pressure what would be like to pressure those things Mm -hmm. that are fundamental to our social functioning into a fairer and more sustainable approach. So, so we're very hopeful that Congress, um, you know, it's been a very difficult political period in the United States for somewhere between four and 400 years. And so, um, (laughs) like, uh, we're hopeful that in this period, um, uh, this new period coming that Congress will take on its role to its traditional role of, of governing those firms yeah. that are have exceeded the boundaries. I truly hope so. I I mean we had we had a couple of conversations at Left Porch. We brought a, a Romanian professor a while ago to talk about neoliberalism and what it means and this is one of the conclusions he reached as well neoliberalism came as a mirage of promoting uh, individual prosperity individual advancements this free market approach while in fact it led to a consolidation of monopolies and a very strong financial sector and only recently maybe maybe there has been a turn to at least interrogate not even try to like dismantle those conglomerates but I mean, I mean, it's it's better late than never, but at the same time, I think it's quite scary because I remember I was looking at the, I, w- I was watching the hearings as well, and I remember how aggressive people were with Amazon, and there is still there is still a feeling in the air that the hearings might not achieve what they intended due to the due to the corporate lobbying or the lawyers that Amazon has hired and the other companies. Well, what it is true. Of- well, it's definitely mm-hmm. true that um, Amazon spends a lot of money lobbying. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, our friends at the Working Families Party said about the election that the election itself is a doorway, not a destination. And I would encourage people to think about this summer's hearings and this report similarly. The report is a state. It's a report, right? Like, y'all are students. You write reports. Like, (laughs) it's a statement about what is. And um, it includes very strong recommendations for remedies. But that is the work of governance. And so um, as um, Congress takes up so much of what's pressing, um, Mm -hmm. as we have not had, um, you know, we've not had governance that is um, commensurate to the crises that predated the pandemic and certainly that um, um, result, the intensification of the crises that have resulted from the pandemic um, Mm -hmm. and um, certainly not governance that is um, like the reason that we had the largest protest movement possibly in our nation's history mm-hmm. um, this summer is in part because um, it's in part because we haven't had the kind of governance um, that that we elect leaders to represent us mm-hmm. and um, and and our our needs are getting drowned out by um, you know, as you say, corporate needs. And, and so I'm yeah. hopeful that this is the beginning of 
addressing not only 40 years of neoliberalism, but, um, you know, much longer standing problems. Yeah. At Athena, we really believe that, um, and we would try, racial justice is not a, like, it's not a checkbox, right? It's a practice. It's every day you get better yeah. at it, hopefully. Um, and so we very much believe that. And so um, I can go through all of our issues and tell you not just why it's disproportionately worse for people of color, which it absolutely is, especially for black folks and some, in some cases for indigenous folks, but like also mm -hmm. uh, how the racism benefits the consolidation of money and power, right? Like that, that racism is a feature, not a bug. Let's take a quick break and read a bit more from the article published in The Verge. And it says like this. Launched on Black Friday, the campaign provides a list of demands for Amazon, which includes raising pay for workers in Amazon warehouses, extending paid sick leave, and allowing workers to organize in unions. The campaign also takes Amazon with committing to zero emissions by 2030 and paying back society by ending partnerships with police forces and immigration authorities that are institutionally racist and paying taxes in full in the countries where the real economic activity takes place. The campaign lists a wide variety of international partners, including Progressive International, Amazon Workers International, 350.org, Greenpeace and more. And the organization has planned a number of demonstrations in countries around the world. Today there is a global day of action of strikes, protests and stunts across five continents. James Schneider, the communications director for Progressive International, tells The Verge. I mean, we could go as far as making the argument that the development of this capitalistic enterprise of the United States is not only Amazon, but capitalism as a whole, is due in part to slavery and racism and everything that has been associated with it, so basically on the backs of people of color. But that's more of a historical argument. <laughs> what I'm also very curious, uh, Dania, to talk about is we talked a little bit about corporate influence, but right now we are almost getting quite close to Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and right after Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken, there are ve two very important celebrations in the United States. <laughs> those, are, those are Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And if I'm not mistaken as well, maybe a couple of weeks ago, there was Amazon Prime Day. What can you tell us about those and how do you look at them? Because at Left Forge, we're a bit critical of their implication as well as of their criticism. Because we understand that it leads to a lot of pollution, overconsumption, consumerism. But it might be the only time of the year when poor people can afford to buy something that can be considered to be like a, like, like a general good or something that might be even required. Yeah. I, so at Athena, we don't shame anyone. Uh, like we talked about, right? Like mm -hmm. anyone who uses the internet is in some way feeding Amazon some data. And yeah. um, and uh, there are lots of reasons why people rely on Amazon in the marketplace for goods um, and, um, and rely on deep discounts and moments of deep discounts to get what they need, but also what they want. So I just want to say like, everyone should have pleasure, right? Like poor people should also have nice things. Working class people should also have nice things. And for many of us, those are only available when they're on super sale and we have super sale. Uh, well, uh, Prime Days is now a thing that Amazon has like 
it's a national holiday, they, shopping holiday they invented. Um, but uh, this, and this Black Friday, Cyber Monday shopping holiday is obviously much more longstanding and kind of the, used to be the kickoff to the Christmas present holiday shopping extravaganza. And um, for many people in retail, not just the biggest ones or not just the biggest corporations, um, like so much consumer spending traditionally happens in this fourth quarter. And especially because small businesses have been devastated by COVID this year in the United States. Um, People are really depending on the revenues this year to make it into next year. And those, those, that's a big part of the employment footprint in the United States. Um, So first of all, uh, I want to say all that, like the second thing I might say about consumerism is that, um, you know, sometimes in beginning economics, we learn about supply and demand and it suggests that um, demand drives innovations in the market, which I am not an economist, but sure. But like, we don't have this kind of consumer economy because um, people individually or whatever organize themselves to say, we want 72 kinds of breakfast cereal. Or, you know what would make our country better <laughs> is if, <laughs> if we could have, you know, 12 brands of fast fashion, all of which are very similar, <laughs> but also slightly different, right? Like I really yeah. want to go to the makeup store and have like, you know, 82 different colors of red lipstick to choose from. So <laughs> oh like God. that's, that's not yeah. the result of social demand that right. In the same way that I think the climate movement and the environmental justice movement has made clear that we don't have plastic straws because people demanded plastic straws, but rather that the, you know, the creations of markets are much more complex and driven by all kinds of, um, you know, investments um, that are invisible, I think, to us as everyday consumers. So that's a long-winded way to say it is totally true. We have these, like, big shopping holidays coming up. So, um, uh, and and just to say, like, we – I don't think that people should feel bad. First of all, we've had plenty of feeling bad. 2020, we might have maxed out the feeling bad. And also, like – I just encourage everyone who might feel bad about ordering something they need or want from Amazon or whatever. Um, I have some tips from the workers about mm-hmm. how to make it easier for them, but, um, but like take the time and energy you would spend feeling bad or guilty and put that into political action of any kind for true. a better world. That's um, very true. Don't mourn organize if I'm not mistaken. That's, <laughs> well, what, that's what people used to say. It's true. Joe Hill did used to say that, but I think this year yeah. we can mourn, but don't feel guilty. Exactly. Um, and also so, yeah. If, if I may, just just mm-hmm. a little second uh, on this line. I think I think you make perfect sense with the fact that we are often fed this narrative that workers like workers consumer demand and the companies give and if they would stop demanding the companies won't give if we just go back to apple and steve jobs which is one of the maybe entrepreneurs that people look up to the most is like this god amongst the the entrepreneurs the business people he has said so many times and he stood by these ideas and many entrepreneurs now they stand by this the consumer doesn't know anything you know you need to push them to the consumer 
And as much as we want to believe it's a story of demand and supply at the end of the day, it's more of a story of convincing someone they need something they might not actually even need in that day. Yeah, I mean, so I'm about to date myself, but um, (laughs) I recall when cell phones became like available to most people and not just, I don't know, Wall Street executives or something. And like no one, no one was like, you know what my life really needs? My life really (laughs) needs like a glossy brick on which I can play games. Like that was not a thing. That's not what drove Steve Jobs to make the iPhone, right? So, um, Mm -hmm. but anyway, so I want to talk about what I'm so proud about, about Mm -hmm. Prime Day last year and this year, which is that we see increasing pushback from communities across the country to the incursions um, that Amazon, about Amazon. And so, A couple years ago, there was a survey and Amazon was like one of the most trusted American institutions, like Mm -hmm. right after the military. People really believe that, um, uh, yeah, this podcast is not about American exceptionalism. We can talk about that some other time. Wow. I'm um, so surprised by this. I'm I'm so sorry. I was just like amazed that people actually trusted Amazon. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. It makes sense, right? Like, yeah. Unless you're ordering a PS5, if you <laughs> if you order something now, you're almost certainly likely to get it, right? And yeah. Um and so and get it pretty quickly. And that yeah. that is a pretty big change from ordering things um through the mail previously. So um which is not we're in total solidarity with the people who work at the U.S. Postal Service, and that is not their fault. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is a fact, right? So so there's that piece of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think increasingly, and especially since the pandemic began, people are seeing like, oh, this comes at a cost. And so if you're ordering things from Amazon, the the number one thing, um, uh, a worker in Minnesota told me, told a, a, a group of us once, he's like, this, you know, working at Amazon is incredibly physically punishing, right? Yeah. You're on your feet, you're running around, you're lifting. And so if there's things that are heavy, dog food, kitty litter, that's the stuff you should really not order from Amazon. Mm-hmm. If it's any, in any way possible for you to get it yourself, <laughs> um, get it yourself, um, and um, because those are really part of a big driver of the injuries um, mm-hmm. that um, are so prevalent and especially with, during what they call peak season, which is the fall shopping season. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one tip. Um, certainly as COVID continues to, I don't know if spike is the right word or skyrocket or something, um, you know, the more that you can order, well, the more that anyone can buy local, buy union, buy co-op, um, the more you keep your dollars locally, the more the dollars circulate and the more, um, the better that is for a local economy. And so a big multinational like Amazon or any of them will, you know, Part of why they're so big is that they are vacuuming those resources out of the community and they don't stay there. So, yes, to the extent that you can buy local, buy union, mm-hmm. buy co-op, 
definitely you should do that. Um, and um, there are no like customer based, like there's no private action that's going to solve the public problem of corporate consolidation. Yeah. The only solutions are for people, whether their primary concern is climate change, their primary concern is human rights, their primary concern is the way that workers are experiencing work, whatever it is that brings you, uh, whether your primary concern is policing, right? There is a role for you. There is something about the way Amazon conducts itself that is outrageous and that That's can bring you into community with other people who have other primary concerns. And together, we can, um, you know, remind um, ourselves and our elected representatives that it is the people through our representative mm -hmm. government that regulates the society and the economy and not the other way around. Um, so that's our project at Athena. And um, so I would just encourage people to like turn down the internal like temperature about these, uh, their, your own buying activity and put mm -hmm. all of that energy into political activity. That said, Black Friday is a big deal. Um, and we have traditionally seen worker and community action um, similarly on Cyber Monday with the pandemic. Um, and mm -hmm. we see that with Prime Day too. Last year, there was a worker walkout. There were um, intensities, community activists de delivered petitions to um, sites uh, around the country that are affiliated with Amazon. So work sites or Whole Foods, yep. which they own, um, talking about the corporations unconscionable um, powering of the immigration authorities under the um, Trump presidency and administration. And so, um, you know, I think people, I think the cost of this, of this structure to all of us is becoming clearer and clearer. And I think that that's one of the things the pandemic has revealed, not just specifically about Amazon, but not only about Amazon. I actually remember, and I'm going to make myself a note here to post this article. There was an article, I think, by Financial Times, somewhere around maybe at the beginning of the pandemic or just a couple of months into it, in which they were trying to make the case that if Amazon survives the pandemic, they will emerge actually as big or even bigger as uh, General, Motor, General Motors, GM, and Ford have emerged after World War II. And uh, and while that could be like aside for creating jobs, we also know that we, we also know that the the let's say maybe and what you've said previously the ideals and the modes of working Amazon promotes are not the healthiest. And indeed, like even if there will be a creation of jobs and more people will join the workforce, we'll see disruption of communities, maybe even like poor working conditions, maybe like almost no prospects of unionization since Amazon has been quite harsh on unionizing people. Well, I think that's a, I don't think I, I mean, I don't think I read that. So I'm looking forward to seeing oh. it, but I, mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that's a useful comparison, right? After World War II, there were huge waves of strikes in the auto industry and elsewhere. Um, exactly. As, um, as American society began to negotiate what 
post-depression and post-war what the social and economic arrangements would be. Um, and I think we are in a similar reckoning now, but um, it is different, right? Like at Athena, we are very proud to stand on very sturdy 20th century shoulders, right? Both antitrust mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, certainly the environmental, the original environmental movement, the civil rights movement, the feminist movement, um, yep. the indigenous rights movement, the queer liberation movement, right? Like there's like so much about the 20th century that offers us visions towards freedom. And there's so much, for example, in the New Deal that we did not do that became unsustainable later once once we didn't have the political pressure to, to advance it, right? The New Deal That's didn't include women. It, it, um, it didn't include farm workers. It didn't include domestic workers, which to this day, those are excluded from labor law, right? And so I think thinking about that is a very helpful framework about like how much public pressure, if we look at those, those like, paradigmatic union struggles of the American past, whether it's the mine wars or the organizing the auto plants or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the clothing the mills. Plants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like those weren't only about the workers inside the plants. It wasn't only about the Pinkertons, although the Pinkertons are still around <laughs> and still yeah. actually doing the same work. Um, Right. It was, it was, it, you, in order to win those big struggles, you needed everyone. And so um, I wrote a piece with a colleague about the company town and how in a company town, in order to upend the authoritarian rule of the company in a company town, you need everyone. And you need everyone mm-hmm. because, um, because you have to balance the scale of like, um, you know, they've got a lot of money and we need a lot of people, but we need a lot of people um, working together. And one of the things about bringing lots of people to work together is that folks have different, um, priorities. And so we're trying to create as many entry points into this fight as we can, as well as, um, all of the organizations that belong to Athena do many things other than campaign on Amazon, all of them, Mm -hmm. right? It's, we have made a coalition around Amazon because anything that you primarily work on, Amazon is making harder. So fair housing or, you know, uh, defunding the police or cleaning up the air. Amazon is just making those things harder to do. And so that's why we need a campaign. So it's like a starting point, basically. But in our limited time, we might have close to five to seven minutes, maybe 10 at maximum. Um, I would like actually to reemphasize what you said previously about the fact that I think it's it's again in a it's a mirage maybe it's just a an imagine an imaginative thing that happens nowadays due to our political and economic system to focus so much everything on individual action or the fact that you stop consuming this and that the world will change and we've seen quite often that while that might play a significant role maybe Collective action is what, in the end, definitely improves the lives of the communities, definitely changes, definitely does everything maybe to better the, the, the lives, not only of the workers, but of everyone involved in that place. And I remember, actually, I brought, uh, I brought this book up. It's by Len McCluskey, I think. It's why you should be a trade unionist. And despite of the title encouraging 
to be a member of a union. There is, uh, there is something so fundamental to this book. He said the fact that the workers are striving for better working conditions and they're fighting against oppressive regimes, being them in the form of uh, withholding wages, not paying them enough or simply overworking them, is not a benefit just for themselves, but for the community at large. And they said that the fact they would inspire generations to fight and they would get them more time with their families and they would fight for students and et cetera, et cetera. I think in this time, especially because of the pandemic, I don't know, I am, right? Like I am grateful to have work that connects me to other people. It's such yeah. a lonely thing, right? To be that's true. in this this combination of this health situation and this political and social situation. And I think, um, you know, in the 20th century, there were lots of ways that people found, made meaning and political meaning together. And I think mm -hmm. that um, part of what's so exciting about, so I've been working in, American social change since mm -hmm. 1996. And, um, and part of what's so exciting about this moment is that people are finding one another and um, looking for ways to connect the things they care the most about with things that other people care the most about and to find ways to explain why things are so broken in this society in ways that are that help us, that helps point the way to something better, and I think that um, we only benefit from understanding the things that each component of a healthy society can offer, and the necessity of keeping them all healthy. Right. So, for sure, we need all kinds of organizations where people balance power across these asymmetries, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's, um, you know, uh, around um, racial or religious difference, whether um, it's uh, around gender, right? All of these ways in which our society are organized are hierarchical. Um, there's a great book by the political scientist Corey Robin um, about this um, the name escapes me off the top of my head, but I will send it to you. And um, and and I think that you know, for for people who didn't find their political home in the place that you're talking about in this book, there are many mm -hmm. other political homes to find. But the important thing is to find one and to build there, right? So, yeah. Um, I myself. I'm a third-generation pro-union person. My grandparents were union members. My mom's a union member. And um, I have been a union member. I've worked in unions. And, like, they are so important. Um, and for so much of the private sector workforce, they are currently out of reach. And so we have this whole flourishing movement of independent non-union worker organizations and mm -hmm. they too are bringing people together to demand from elected officials um and others better treatment and they like you know that's 
the first workers who took action in the United States against Amazon, um, against unfair practices, were the workers in Minnesota who are mostly um, East African or East African descended. And they, the primary motivation for them to walk off the job at that time was that they didn't have ac- accommodations for Ramadan and for um, fasting. Wow. And, you know, I think it's not an accident that in the United States, the first workers to take action um, are from a black community, a Muslim community, an immigrant and refugee community, um, that, that there's a, that that's important about the kind of political courage we need. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, um, as far as I know, all of the whistleblowers and people who have stood up to the way that Amazon, um, is, um, handling COVID in their facilities have been black. Um, and mm-hmm. that's also not a coincidence, right? Um, so, so, um, although I will say there have been two high profile, um, white collar workers who have, who were fired. They're both women and neither of them are black. Um, and I think that, I think that, um, there are many avenues, like People need one another, and we need one another, especially now. And I think part of the lesson of this amazing summer of resistance and hope has been the way in which we can reach across our differences, and we can act in concert and in solidarity. And that is something that can foster our growth and sustain us, um, and that together we can begin to talk about what and to act on a dream for our society that is better than all of us at home ordering what we need or what we not and having someone treated badly, polluting the environment, um, Mm -hmm. who brings it to us and that we can have the things we want and need. We can have the conditions where everyone has a chance to thrive. um, If we would orient instead towards that goal rather than um, the system that we do have, which is oriented around ensuring the continued prosperity of Amazon.com and its chief executive. That's very true. I mean, we're quite close to to an ending, but I really liked what you said previously, and I would like to bring a quote from maybe some of the top early organizers of the 20th century who said, uh, an injury to one is an injury to all basically and uh, they did and you know maybe i'll (laughs) offer you this so my favorite quote in organizing comes from a philip randolph the legendary labor leader who helped form the um brotherhood of sleeping car porters and he said you only take what you can get and you only keep what you can hold and you can't hold anything (laughs) without organization that is very that's very good. And I'd actually like to bring maybe not a quote, but I'm I'm gonna try to paraphrase a bit Mother Jones because I read this incredible piece, I think. I forgot who wrote it. And they said that when Mother Jones came in a meeting by the miners and the miners were just complaining, you know, about life, she told them she told them something like, You don't have the right to complain, you should organize. And while, while I believe there is there is some benefit in complaining, we should always keep organizing, keep bringing people together. 
and build solidarity and solidarity everywhere, not only in the workplace. I mean, also in activities that a while ago tended to be communal. Now, now everything seems to be so individualistic and things are turning into, into like a world only for the individual. But I think there is a very big pushback to that. And I think we have at Left Porch, we're quite optimistic for the future. And we hope that we're going to fight continuously because these are not like given rights. Those are not things we should just take for granted that they will stay with us forever. I think we should hold on them and try to like fight for them. Because if someone doesn't try to take them away from us today, in five years, there will be someone that will do that. Well, I, yeah, I cannot end without encouraging our listeners to sign up at athenaforall.org and to follow exactly. us on Facebook and Twitter at Athena for All. Um, we are delighted to have your interest and support and offer you solidarity in all of your efforts Please. to make this a more just and peaceful world. Oh my God, Daniel, this was such a such a pleasure and oh, uh, above you. everything, an honor, honestly, because hearing from the voices in the movement is always so important. And and I just cannot be more grateful that you took some time of your very busy schedule to talk to us. I understand we actually, I think before this call started, we were planning on talking about multiple issues. But as you said, I never...